five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Culture Clash Live here on the Fandom Podcast Network. Hope everybody's had a great week, had a good Valentine's Day, whether you spent it with a loved one or just some friends and had a great time. Uh, we did a little something special on Valentine's Day here at the Fandom Podcast Network, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. But tonight, we got a new episode of Culture Clash, and in this week's episode of Culture Clash, we are going to be adding a new chapter to the Culture Clash Guide of Time Travel because we're putting the time travel spotlight on the 2003 film Timeline. We're going to be, it's the year of time travel here at the Culture Clash and what we're going to have a ton of fun, but I need to travel time with friends. I need, I need people who have my back. Maybe somebody who knows some archery, somebody who knows some sword fighting. Um, a guy I know who's been through some sword experiences, shall we say. Um, I feel good with him at my back. He is the co-founder of the Fandom Podcast Network and my brother for the another mother. Mr. Kevin Reitzel. What's going on? Yes, we're talking a little bit of timeline. There's spotlight on time travel this week. And I'm excited about that, man. Uh, it was fun to revisit this film. Definitely. And I got you back. I got, I got archery. <laughs> I was going to say, you've done the, you've done the Adrian Paul sword experience. Yes. A, a, a few times. Not, not quite as much as my friend uh, Priscilla, who's probably reaching a hundred now, but yeah, uh, definitely have done sword experiences and had some fun with that. So yeah. But you know what, guys? I, I, I need more than just Kevin. I, I need somebody who has knowledge of the situation. I need somebody who has no, just boundless knowledge. And there's only one person I can think of that gets me that kind of boundless knowledge, especially when it comes to movies of any kind. She is, of course, the queen of movie foo, the one and only Lacey Adderholt. Hello. How are you guys doing? We are doing well. Are, 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 Good to have you. Are, are you ready to get a little medieval in this episode? Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. A little shout out to Kenny and Lurkers in the chat. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, guys. Always glad to have you join us. Um, of course, guys, as we, as I was saying, this is Culture Clash live on the Phantom Podcast Network YouTube channel. Or if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter or any of the other places we broadcast to when we do go live, we greatly appreciate it. But before we get started, I must take a little liberty. If you have watched <laughs> Culture Clash, or any of the shows on the Fandom Podcast Network, going back even to the days when we had our football show, The End Zone, you know I am a Kansas City fan. And it was a very interesting week for Kansas City, starting off very well as my beloved Kansas City Chiefs won back-to-back back -back Super Bowls, their third Super Bowl in five years. Kevin, I know this has been hard for you, but I appreciate the respect you've shown and the congratulations. I know how important this is to you and your dad too. And I respect that. So uh, I'm glad you get to share this with your dad. And I know how important it was to Taylor Swift. So I'm like, I was in. <laughs> Adam's in the chat. What's up, Adam? What's up, Mr. Mullet? We, we, we go always glad to have you from down under. Um, the other, but the other thing is too, and I need, this is important to me. Um, I just need to give a shout out to all the amazing people who went through something terrible at the end of the Super Bowl parade. Um, and I, I'm not going to justify 
the actions by talking about them. But I just want to say that the first responders, the people of Kansas City, we're all thinking of you. And we know that you're not going to let this event, what happened, tear down the amazing things that the Chiefs have done and what how great a city the city of Kansas City is. Our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Kansas City, especially those who were injured and in the hospital reco- recovering. But um, I just wanted to get that out there and share share the love and give my give my Chiefs a little love while we have the chance. But guys, it is time to dive into this episode of Culture Clash. Of course, it is the time travel spotlight timeline based off the classic Michael Crichton book, which we will be talking about more. But this is Culture Clash, which means we're going to be having a lot of other things to talking about, including some fandom news, some fandom reviews, all kinds of great things. But before we get into that, Kevin, we have some things coming that are coming soon and just arrived here on the Fandom Podcast Network. So let's preview a few of those things, starting off with Your Love, the Hair Metal Podcast. Yeah, we had a really good, uh, fun uh, January episode last month, uh, and it was a lot of fun. A great idea where we uh, did our 1989 hair metal supergroup draft. In a way, this was a time travel journey for us because we did this draft as if we were living in 1989 and picking our cream of the crop of the uh, rock stars that were uh, popular during this time, especially on MTV, and we built our supergroups, and that was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. So it was basically a 1989 hair metal traveling wheelberries. Yes. Okay. That's right. Right way to put it. Yeah. 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 There we go. Of course, too, we have Lacey here, which means we're talking time warp. And this year it is all about the movies of 1984 and the 40th anniversary of those. Of course, part one went out uh, about a month ago now. Um, January was a light month, Kevin, but we had some interesting TV to talk about for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so make make sure you, you check that out. But uh, uh, the Time Warp is now monthly, guys. We cover each month, and that is a lot of fun. And uh, we just uh, – we got coming out in March, which is exci- exciting next month. I just – it's so funny. I was putting together my DVDs here. Ugh, the stuff we're going to be covering in March. Look at that right there. Look at that. Yeah. Nice. There we go. There we go. <laughs> exciting. But Is that Sahara with Brooke Shields? Yes, it is. <laughs> you had me at Brooke Shields, but guys, just released this morning, part two of Time Warp covering February, and things get get we get our groove on, we get our dance on because it's Footloose Month in February of 1984. Uh, a few other fun things: Remington Steel. Uh, Kevin Kevin always likes to blame it on Rio. <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie. A uh, shout out to uh, Chris Ghostbusters Quick Response Unit. I'm sure he's excited about a movie coming out. <laughs> And of course, Couch Potato Theater, Kevin, you, you got a few people together and did some payback. Yeah, Lacey and Lee and I did a, a tribute to payback, and we discussed both the theatrical and director's cut. It was a great, great uh, conversation. A lot of fun. Good movie, too. My favorite Mel Gibson film. And of course, this week, live on our YouTube channel, where you can go see that, the audio of that, this particular show will be coming out soon. But we had a little Valentine's Day love with. One of my favorite romantic comedies. Turns out it's one of Kevin's favorite romantic comedies and it was a great revisit also for Lacey. The Paul Bettany, Kirsten Dunst, rom-com, tennis match, Wimbledon. Um, guys, we had a lot of fun with this one. And this, this is one of those movies we talk about it on here. Just It's why you go to the movies. You, you go to it, you sit back, you smile, and you enjoy it. A little under two hours. 
Last question. Yeah, we had a good conversation. I know, Lacey, you enjoyed that film. Right on, right on. <laughs> Adam O'Brien says, stay tuned for McBain, 47 Ronin, Speed, Black Dog, and Chain Reaction on the Lethal Mullet. Awesome. Okay, what is Black Dog? Is that the one about the trucker? Yeah. That's so easy. Yeah, and uh, Meatloaf, if I remember correctly. Keanu Reeves isn't in that, though, right? No, he's in Chain Reaction. And, and in 40, 47 and, Ronin. And Speed. Like, he was in all three of the other I was sitting there going, Black Dog, Keanu Reeves, was, what? <laughs> it was... Because all of the other ones were killer reasons. Her movie foo math is kicking in. Uh, a product I have been working on for a while, and hopefully we'll be recording here very soon. Um, I have hot potato theater, but because of everything that has been amazing with Godzilla, with Godzilla minus one, what's going on in the MonsterVerse, we have Godzilla and Kong coming out soon. We're going to do a rematch and revisit one of our favorite films of this genre, Pacific Rim. Kevin, you think we can prevent the apocalypse this time? I don't know. We'll see. We'll definitely give it the uh, um, an A for effort. That's what we'll do. I, I promise. So, however, on this podcast, we will have color. We won't be minus color. <laughs> that would be fun, though, to do a black. Although and that would be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kevin, we got we got a little crossover, crossing the streams action here, happening with Cash Potato Theater and Hair Metal. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, movies, especially from the 2001 era there, is Rockstar, based on a true story starring Mark Wahlberg, a fan who becomes a rock star of his favorite uh, um, hair metal era band. And we're going to be doing a crossover. We're going to be doing Couch Potato Theater, and then we're going to discuss the soundtrack, which is uh, stacked with hair metal era guitarists and bass players and singers, and has an awesome soundtrack. Looking forward to that. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm going to be part of that with the Cash Potato Theater. Um, all I know is hopefully I'll make it through the whole podcast without having to go take it. But guys, we are here with the latest episode of Culture Clash, and we are doing our time travel spotlight. But before we get to that, we've told you what's happening on the network, but let's talk about the things that are going to be happening here on this episode of Culture Clash. And first and foremost, there's always fandom news to talk about. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's news. Kyle, I'd like to jump in on something real quick here uh, before we get on the news. Uh, you know how we recently lost uh, Carl Weathers? Yes. And uh, I've been trying to catch up on some of his film work, the stuff that I haven't seen yet. And, of course, he's more famous probably, of course, for Rocky series and uh, Predator and Action Jackson. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, happy Gilmore, but I just got from eBay because I've been meaning to check it out. Uh, and I remember Andy Sloan reminded me about this. And I mentioned this prior, but I picked up the entire two seasons, entire series of street justice, uh, went from 91 through 92 or 93. And I even found season one completely sealed season two. Uh, they brought in Mark McCormick from will and grace. He also was in an episode of Highlander or two as well, because both of these, uh, both of the series here and Highlander filmed in, uh, the Vancouver area. So I've been meaning to check this out and I just wanted to get, give it a little shout out there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that was, I remember that series. It was, the, I believe it was in the syndication when I, when I saw it and yeah, produced by Stephen J. Cannell from uh, 21 jump street and, you know, um, wise guy and a bunch of those ones from, you know, the, uh, the, uh, when everyone was kind of filming in Vancouver in the eighties and nineties. So, yeah. Well guys, let's get into some news and we had some big MCU news though. I don't know how big it was because it was pretty much what we had guessed. 
the casting for Fantastic Four has been announced. Um, they announced it on Valentine's Day with this cute little tweet here. We have Pedro Pascal playing Reed Richards, Vanessa Kirby playing Sue Storm, Evan Moss, uh, Bacharach play, playing The Thing, and Joseph Quinn of Stranger Things fame playing... Eddie Munson, baby! <laughs> they play in The Human Torch. Now, guys, um, Fantastic Four is kind of, I think it's kind of a big movie for Marvel at this point. They really need to kind of nail this one down. What are you, what are you guys thinking? I have thoughts on, I'll, I'll get to, but Kevin, what are you thinking of this cast? I'm fine with it perfectly. I, I like, uh, um, of course, Pedro, I'm a fan of. I think this, I think he'll dive right into the read role. I'm a huge fan of Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby, and I'm, I, I feel like, you know, I really, I think it was um, Hobbs and Shaw where I f really, really noticed her. Uh, and then she started uh, doing a podcast uh, about spies. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but uh, it started with Haley Atwell uh, kind of narrating the stories of real action of spies throughout you know, history. And then Vanessa Kirby came on. I think she's still doing it. Uh, but I, I'm a big fan of hers. I've been trying to catch up on some of her other stuff. And I, I like the fact that our boy Eddie Munson from Stranger Things, Joseph Quinn is coming in there. And I couldn't, Ebon Moss Baccarat, maybe his name will become something we don't, that that we will remember. But lately, I just remember him as the guy that uh, tried to turn on uh, Andor in the Andor series. You know, he was yeah, in, exactly. in the Andor series. And he's been in a bunch of others. He's played some bad guys and some sleazy guys because he's got that kind of schmarmy look about him. But I'm very curious. And I, I think this is a good cast. I'm not disappointed with it. Didn't he just win the Golden Globe for Best Supporting for um, The Bear? Yes, he did. I will. Uh, don't know. I haven't seen The Bear. Yeah, he he, he did. I. I just I know that I, I saw it. And I was like, oh wow, I really need to show. Well, I need to watch that show because everybody on that show won their awards this year. I was like, okay, maybe I need to catch up. Get on the shout out to shout out to Caleb. He says, can't wait for this. Pedro Pascal is a wild card, but not particularly a bad choice. The other three actors feel very much like perfect casting. I will. Say, I want to use. Lindsay, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I really, I, I did love Krasinski. Just in that little, like one little moment we had, um, if they were gonna, you know, in the in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse yeah. of Madness, yeah. yeah. But you know, I, I think that this is a great cast. I think that everybody in there is very talented, and um, you know, there's a reason casting directors are gonna have their own category this year. I, I know some people are kind of split on Pedro, as as uh, um, Chris says here. I'm not on Pedro uh, being Reed Richards, but I'm looking forward to him proving me wrong. Um, I, I felt like Pedro's kind of like the easy casting, you know, but we all like him. I, I'm just like, is he going to have a, uh, is he going to have a child he has to protect in this one? Uh, well, a lot of people have been talking about Pedro Pascal because he's been in so many huge, you know, franchises at this point. And so everybody wanted to put him in the MCU, but there've been like 40 different options where everybody's like, Oh, he should be this character. He should be that character. And yeah. I never saw anyone suggest he should be Reed Richards, which is kind of against the casting yeah. that, you know, everyone else has been thinking about. So, 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 so let, let me hit on this because I agree. I think for, for the most part, they nailed the casting. I think Pedro is a wild card. I don't see Pedro as Reed Richards. And again, he could prove me wrong. And I'm going to, I'm going to be honest here. And Lisa, you kind of brought up the point. I'm feeling like we could be on the edge of a little Pedro burnout because he's everywhere. 
and I, we all love him. He's great. I'm not there yet, Kyle. Sorry. Well, I'm just, <laughs> but I, but I, I can kind of see, and I think there are a lot of people who are questioning his casting as Reed Richards because he's not what you picture of Reed Richards when you see the Reed Richards from the comics. I'm not saying it's a bad casting, but I think it is. This is probably kind of one that's got people going, I don't know, but I love Vanessa Kirby. Um, of course, you're talking about her spy podcast. Of course, she's got a little spy action in her own self being in the Mission Impossible films. Yep. Um, and uh, I love uh, Joseph Quinn for uh, Johnny Storm. I think he's going to bring great energy. And I think Evan Moss Bachrock is brilliant casting for Ben Grimm. I think he's going to nail that very well. Um, I know uh, Caleb here is very happy with the casting. He also, I love that they finally cast a Jewish actor for Ben Grimm. I know the movies don't really show that side of the comics unless it's Daredevil and his Catholic <laughs> which is pretty, pretty true. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Good, good call, Caleb. But this is going to be a big movie for Marvel. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what we see as the development and, and goes. It, if I remember correctly, Kyle, we've had reference to the Fantastic Four in WandaVision, right? About the four astronauts. Yeah, a lot of people are speculating that was reference to the Fantastic Four, but they never really flat out said it. You mean in WandaVision? Yeah. 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 So yeah. That, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But that wasn't all for Marvel this week. It's been a big week for Marvel. Super Bowl Sunday, which is, of course, famous for dropping all kinds of movie trailers. Well, the big one dropped. The one we've all been waiting for. The Deadpool and Wolverine trailer. Dropped. Of course, Dead, Deadpool 3 officially now titled Deadpool and Wolverine. Um, Kevin, th this trailer was phenomenal. Um, I am so looking forward to this. I am the Marvel Jesus. No, that would be me. <laughs> I am the Marvel Jesus. <laughs> um, and with one scene, Deadpool and Wolverine really makes Loki relevant. Yes, it does. Yeah, we get the, t the TVA, the, the the time people. So yeah, definitely. Um, wait, wait, go back, Kyle. Don't 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 go into the trolling just yet. Hold on. Uh, I thought these posters were kind of cool. You get the Deadpool and Wolverine poster, and then you get the Come Together July twenty fifth. Uh, but the best part about even maybe more fun than the trailer was the trolling that happened uh, with uh, the lead stars, whether they were with each other or against each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes well of course we are we are we are um talking about ryan reynolds and hugh jackman which means they're great friends but they love to troll the hell out of each other i i love the but i just stay on the slide real quick because ryan reynolds goes wait till you see the deadpool popcorn bucket and i don't know if you guys know but this whole funny stuff about the dune popcorn bucket has gotten so popular that if you go back and Google it and watch last week's episode of Saturday Night Live, they had a really funny skit about the the Dune popcorn bucket. Check that out. And then uh, Hugh Jackman says, best is a stretch, so is friends, regarding the two pendants that come together that say best friends. And there you go. <laughs> there you go, Chris. Hugh Jackman fixed it. Wolverine and asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, that wasn't the only trolling, though, that was going on, because I don't know if um, you saw that what Ryan Reynolds posted when he posted about the Deadpool 3 trailer getting out. He's like, has anybody seen my wife? Of course, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds' wife, is at the Super Bowl at that point with Taylor Swift in the suite. However, Blake Lively, later that day when she got home, posted a picture of her in front of the fireplace at their home with a picture of Deadpool on it. I had a great day, honey. What are you doing with your day? <laughs> <laughs> I will 
would like to say that she was actually at the t- in the the Taylor Swift's um, box with Miles Teller, who did play Reed Richards prior to. Yes, the Marvel oh, connections. A more connections everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. But guys, we are talking about this. We had it's the Super Bowl, which means we were going to get a plethora of movie trailers, and we definitely did. This go around and starting off with a movie I am very much looking forward to because I love the first two films of A Quiet Place. And now we're getting a prequel, A Quiet Place Day One. And what I'm liking about what I saw in this trailer, Kevin, is we're seeing what's happened, what happened in like major metropolitan cities where, yeah, they're kind of noisy. Yeah. Uh, so I just watched this trailer for the first time uh, about an hour ago, Kyle. Um, I'm, I was a little disappointed that uh, it doesn't have the, the 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 two people that were in the last two. You know, we, it's like it's like they it's can like, still pop up. Yeah, but they didn't show any of that. They did. They showed completely new people, which I get. You want to see how it affects other people, but um, you 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 t- you t- you're taking away a certain English girl away from us. Come on. Right. But the thing about a trailer is, you want to show people a little bit of the new when you know the other two are going to eventually be in it. Do we? I mean, yeah. I, well, I, I think at least one of them will pop up in it. I, I, I'm feeling pretty confident. I don't know. I was kind of not excited about it. Just a, that's just my opinion. And, and Caleb brings up a point, and I know I've read this. I've heard about this too. We are getting a Quiet Place Part Three in the, in a franchise at this point. So <laughs> next up, a movie I know Kevin won't be jumping. Go see right away, but Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I'm a fan of these newer ape films. I've really enjoyed Andy Serkis's performances in them. I think he should have won an Oscar for at least one of them. Um, I'm I'm very fascinated by this because I think it's leading into like going back through time, going back to the beginning of the original Planet of the Apes. I wonder if it's going to be this one or maybe if they do one more where the ending will lead right into original back-in-the-day Planet of the Apes. Um, Lacey, what are your feelings on the Apes films? I have never seen a Planet of the Apes film, not one of them. It's just, I I, I kept thinking, oh, maybe I will. And, I, you know, Mark Wahlberg was in one, and um, David um, Hewlett was in one. And I was like, oh, that, you know, I got to see it. And then I just never did. I just never did. And I've never seen any of the originals either. I just, they just sort of didn't hit the, the mark for me to make a priority out of it. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, somewhere Richard Woloski just shed a tear. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the new apes. They don't wear clothes. So Sorry, Richard. I <laughs> Do I know Richard? Richard Woloski from Skywalking Through Neverland. Nope, don't know. Okay. Yeah, he, he's a huge apes fan and a um, friend of the network. And um, he's uh, he's inspiration for us doing podcasting. So, yeah. Oh, right on. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have coming out in November the adaptation of the incredibly popular musical of Wicked. And um, I, I'm not sure how I felt about this trailer. I, I, I'm really kind of wondering if the Wizard of Oz world works any anymore. But um, yeah, I just this trailer didn't do too much for me. What about you guys? The the concept that they're they've split into two movies now. Right, so yeah, have they? This is part one. Yeah, apparently there's two films now, and they're going to cut it right at, after Defying Gravity. I don't know if you've seen the play. Nope. Um, 
not a lot happening in, in, in part two. It's kind of like, it's a little slow. Till you How come this doesn't say part one on it then? That's where I'm I, confused. I don't know. Hmm. But um, yeah. My my, th- my whole thing with this is why didn't you just cast Indina and be, be done with it? I mean, Indina Menzel, who's famous oh, yeah. for playing the witch yeah, on the Broadway. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this one's in because it's Twisters. I love Twister. This is in the same breath. And plus, Glenn Powell is like maybe the the one of the hottest, most in demand actors in Hollywood right now. Kevin, I, I think that's a fairly safe assumption. His stardom is on the rise, and I did want to mention that his uh, rom com with Sydney Sweeney uh, <laughs> was made for around thirty million dollars, and it's now made over one hundred and seventy to one hundred eighty million dollars. It is one of the uh, uh, for sure box office winners. And they did a, a reboot. They did a re-release for the day before day the day before day of and day after Valentine's Day. So those numbers might have changed in the last two days. That's true, but. I'm looking forward to this. If nothing else, this is going to be a movie that's going to be a fun IMAX experience because it's going to be loud. It's going to have all of that epicness to it. So looking forward to that. Kevin, up next, we have Monkey Man, the Dev Patel action film co- coming out. Very intrigued by this. Yeah, I was reading the YouTube description, and obviously he uh, has some martial arts uh, fighting in this, and he uses it to get revenge. Uh, it's, I'm not going to say it's a basic revenge, uh, action movie, but it is a revenge action movie and he gets into some, uh, pretty big fight in here. And I guess his character takes on this persona as a monkey man while he's doing some underground fighting or boxing or whatever. Uh, but then he also does some vigilante work, especially when he gets back at people that killed either members of his family or does something like that. And in a very brutal way, but more cool though, is that dev actually directs the film. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I saw the trailer going, all right, dev, this is cool. And and Jordan Peele is a producer on this as well. There you go. Yeah. I, I I saw it um, in front of something, I guess, Madam Webb yesterday or maybe or something. I don't know. I saw it this past week and I was just like, (laughs) I mean, I have no idea if this was based on a comic or if it's an original. I have no idea, but I was like, it's actually based on a myth. Okay. Well, three minutes in and I was just like, okay, I'm here. (laughs) Like I'm in, this is going to be awesome. So guys, that's going to wrap up the Super Bowl films, but Kevin, it's award season. And you know, we've always covered the Oscars, the golden globes, but I think it's time. And then you brought this up and I completely agree with you. The Saturn awards, the 51st annual Saturn awards. But here's the thing. And about the, I would say maybe about the last. Kyle, you got to steal my thunder. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it was a huge, great succession for you because I think in the last 15 years, these have become very important. Yeah, guys, I'm going to throw this out at you right now. The Oscars and the Golden Globes suck. They have not been good since the, pretty much the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, they don't cover a lot of the films and movies uh, that we as nerds and geeks like. And now that the Saturn Awards are getting more clout, they're getting more attention to them. We're going to showcase what they actually award here. And I guarantee everyone in this panel and anyone watching and listening, they have probably watched more of these categories and these movies than what's actually being awarded for the Oscars and the Golden Globes. Because as of the ones that have been nominated for the Oscars, I might have seen two. And it's 
<laughs> I think that the Saturn Awards need to be given more love, more attention to, and be celebrated more. And Kyle, if you don't mind, I'd like to take over the slideshow here. All yours. Because uh, I put this together here, and I wanted to show you guys what's been nominated. And one thing that I did want to mention, guys, is that you're going to see some nominations that feel a little older than they should be. And there's a reason for that. The nomination announcements and award processes process was postponed in solidarity with the 2023 Hollywood labor disputes, which took place between May 2nd to November 9th. Ultimately, ultimately the nominees were revealed on December 6, 2023. The epic science fiction film Avatar, The Way of the Water, led the film nominations with 12. Uh, two more than the original received in 2010, including Best Science Fiction and four acting nominations followed by Oppenheimer with 11. Uh, and this was, uh, just so you know, the change in the number of the awards name was introduced at the previous ceremony, which was renamed the 47th uh, Saturn Awards to the 50th Saturn Awards to celebrate 50 years of Saturn Awards founded in 1972. This change was also implemented for the addition of the awards. The ceremony was held on February 4th, 2004 at the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank Airport Hotel. Uh, now, guys, uh, to tell you why we should pay more attention to this award series, I know you've heard about him. I remember first hearing about him, I think, in the late 80s. You would see them on, like, Starlog magazine and maybe Fangoria, all these fan magazines. And you you would kind of just see them in print somewhere. You wouldn't see them on television. And you're kind of like, okay, that's kind of cool. Well, these, these were actually streamed, and you could actually watch them. I was watching some of the highlights. And then I kind of started seeing... Like, who was getting the attention and the love here? First of all, you got best superhero film. You got best science fiction film, best fantasy film, horror film, best action adventure film, best thriller film. So it covers a huge variety of films. Guardian of the Galaxy won for superhero film with Ant-Man, Black Panther, Blue Beetle, and The Flash that were nominated. Uh, science fiction Avatar won with the creator Megan Prey and Transformers Rise of the Beast nominated. Best Fantasy Film, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, uh, nominated. Yes, Kyle? I was just going to say, I, that was probably the one category I disagreed with. Yeah, yeah. You, we can all disagree on these winners, but I don't want you guys to lose sight of the point here of what is actually being celebrated here. These are films that are, you know, yes, there's a few of these, obviously, the Oscars and Golden Globes, was, but these are, these are basically, these are the nerd awards, guys. Well, these are the nerd and geeky awards that we need to pay attention to. Best horror film, Talk to Me, uh, Barbarian, Evil Dead, Rise, Insidious, Renfield, Scream, and Smile uh, were nominated. Best action adventure, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, with Bullet Train, Equalizer 3, Fast X, John Wick Chapter 4, and The Woman King being nominated. Best thriller film, Oppenheimer, Don't Worry Darling, Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery, Knock at the Cabin, The Lesson, and The Menu were nominated here. Some more categories here. Best animated film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse won. Best international film, uh, Sisu. See, I've seen these films, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> best directed, best film direction, James Cameron, Avatar, Way of the Water. Best film writing, Avatar, Way of the Water. Best actor in a film, uh, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. And if you look back at everything that's nominated, I think we've seen most of these films as nerds and geeks. I'm just saying. Uh, best Supporting Actor, we got Nicolas Cage in Renfield. Uh, best Supporting Actress in a Film, we got Emily Blunt in App Oppenheimer. Best Younger Actor in a Film, Zolo Mar, uh, the guy from Blue Beetle and um, uh, Cobra Kai. Uh, 
Cobra Kai, yes. Best film editing, Oppenheimer. Best music, Indiana Jones. Best film production designer, Barbie. These are all things that should be celebrated. Best film costume, Barbie. Best makeup in a film, uh, Covenant. Best film special, Avatar, Way of the Water. Best independent film, Pearl. So it goes on and on here. And best science fiction TV series, Star Trek Picard. Best fantasy TV series, Wednesday. Best horror uh, television series, The Last of Us. Best action adventure thriller television series, Outlander. Best animated series or special, Star Wars. The Bad Batch got won that one, guys. The Bad Batch. Uh, best superhero television series, Superman and Lois. Best television presentation, Werewolf by Night. Uh, best new uh, genre television series, Andor. Star Wars won something, guys. It's great. And it just goes on and on here. And you know what else was celebrated, Kyle? Kyle what, what was my favorite movie last year? Godzilla Minus One. Nope. That was yours. Um, John Wick. I'm saying John Wick. Renfield. Renfield, right, Renfield was my Renfield, favorite movie yeah. last year, and that won something here. So I'm just saying, uh, and, we, and also, too, it gives you best 4K home media release for us physical media nerds. How cool is that? John Wick Chapter 4 won that one. Best classic film home media released, Invaders from Mars. Uh, and best film home media collection release, Superman, five film collection. I mean, these are the things that we should pay attention to. And they also do special achievement awards. Life Career Award went to Jodie Foster. Visionary Award went to Christopher Nolan. George Powell Memorial Award went to Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni wins. How awesome is that? And the Lance Reddick Legacy won the Legacy Award, the late Lance Reddick, uh, which was presented by Keanu Reeves at this event. Robert Forrester Artist Award went to Seth MacFarlane. Dan Curtis Legacy Award went to the Walking Dead franchise. And the Lifetime Achievement Award, the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, which they were all in attendance for. And the multiple wins, Avatar won, uh, was it four? Barbie, Indiana Jones, and Oppenheimer won three. So, your thoughts, Kyle? Oh, I, I, I think it's definitely more of the awards for the people now, especially with how um, popular fandom has become and become part of the culture. So I think it gets a lot more. But I mean, I think the Saturn Awards have been highly respected for, like I said, the last probably 15 to 20 years, if not longer. In a very small group of people. But as fans as we are, though, and now with social media and the power to put things on video and to, to have a voice like this, these awards have not gotten the greater attention of everyone else like the Oscars. More people care about the Oscars and awards now because of what people wear. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I just want to comment, Zillar here. I, I agree with you. I would have gone D and D. I don't know if Indiana Jones was disposable, but I would have gone D and D. I agree with that. Yeah, I would have gone with Dungeons and Dragons too. Right. Blair, of course, my buddy from uh, Australia. Yay, physical media forever. I love it. <laughs> well, guys, maybe wait, wait, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Lacey, your thoughts on uh, that segment of the Saturn Awards? What do you think? And you're muted, by the way. Hello. Okay. Uh, you know, I hadn't really heard much about the Saturn Awards in the past couple of years. I just see. I've, I've been well. <laughs> my house has been. Do, I've been under construction for four years, so television was kind of sparse. So you know, that's why I'm a big physical media person is because I don't really see a lot of live television, especially over the last four years under construction. So I loved the fact that Will Wheaton was the one who posted about the award that they all got to go. And he was like, that was the first time since I was like 15 where I was included in 
being able to go and, and do the Saturn Awards and get, and I was very excited for him. So, um, I had just gone back probably last week and looked at all the different awards. I was like, wow. Okay. So I've seen everything. That's so rare. I mean, it got to the point where because I don't do drama, I don't want to see anybody die. I don't want to see anybody like bite their own arm off. I don't want to see anyone who's like oppressed in any way. I can't deal with people who are, yeah, I can't deal with that. I don't do that. So like 87% of the Oscar nominated movies are movies that I'm just not going to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's gotten really weird lately too. And uh, shout out to Zalar there. If there is more people that collect DVDs and Blu-rays, I am home. Well, there's two of us here in this. There's two of us here that have a bunch behind us and my buddy Blair in Australia. I can't wait to see his when I visit. (laughs) Nice guys. That's going to wrap up everything for the news, but we got more culture clash talk about here guys we're, we're not we're not done yet because guess what we've seen a few things so once again it is time to buy it buy it buy it stream it stream it or unsee, or unsee it. it that is correct it is time to buy it stream it or unsee it our review section either you really liked it so you're gonna go buy it uh maybe you was like okay if i want to watch it again i'll stream it or oh my gosh can we just Get the Men in Black Normalizer and wipe it from my memory because I need to unsee this movie right now, if not sooner. Um, before we get started in the stuff we were going to talk about this week, Kevin, I actually did see a movie that you talked about a couple of weeks ago on Culture Clash. I just wanted to drop my thoughts real quick. I okay. watched John Cena, Allison Brie film Freelance, and I really had fun with that. That it, it was a, it was a fun movie. Wait, um, which one was that one again? <laughs> one more. <laughs> Protecting Alice is the bodyguard for Alison Brie. Christian Slater's in it. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I thought you had talked about that a couple. No, times. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> it sounds fun though. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a lot of fun. The guy, the guy who plays the president of the country, steals the movie. But it's called what again? Freelance. 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 All right, I gotta check this out. You got me. In, you got me intrigued. Is, is, is it the greatest film you're gonna see? No, but I have come to the realization with something with John Cena films. Kevin, I don't think I've never seen a John Cena film that wasn't fun. In this one way is or true. Another. And of course, yeah. you know, I'll, I love Allison Brie to death. And um, it, this He's from Community, off, right? Yeah, yeah. I also did the uh, Glow on Netflix, the Women That's of Wrestling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, very, very fun movie. I, 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 I really enjoyed it for what it, what it was. But guys, um, we're going to get into a few things, and so that means. Spoiler alerts ahead. The stuff we're going to be talking about, we are going to go into spoilers about. So, guys, you have been warned. When you see a movie pop up, if you have not seen it yet, you might want to just tune out for just a couple of minutes while we talk about that film. But first up, guys, is a film. Well, well, first up, guys, Letterboxd. Because we are all on Letterboxd. We keep track of our movies on Letterboxd. We are having a ton of fun with Letterboxd. Kevin, you kind of started this up last year with keep using Letterbox to keep track of all the movies you watched. Um, was it over 500 or was it just right there? No, it was at 408 films last year. I oh, that's 408. Yeah. yeah. But we are having a lot of fun with Letterbox. If you guys aren't using Letterbox, definitely give it a sh- Right shout. now I'm at uh, 68 films as of the beginning of this year. And we're not even, I think, like 40 days into the year. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> with that, guys, we're going to talk about a movie. We, we did a non-spoiler review last week, which was Argyle. Now, I'm going to 
I'm fine with this because I I'm gonna try to go see it this weekend, but I, I'm fine with giving a little spoilery on this. Um, you got you, Lacey, you and Kevin have La- seen this. Lacey, I'm I need, in. I need to last year ask you a question about this, Lacey. Sure. Wait now, Kev, uh, Kyle, just be like, just go to the background. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> this is non-spoilery. I need to ask your opinion about this. Should we give the twist away? Should we, or should we just leave it alone like everyone did with the crying game? Let's talk about the whole thing with the exception of the the stinger. Okay. Well, hold on. I'm talking about the twist in the film. I don't oh. know if we should spoil that twist. Oh, well, um, I mean. It's kind of still new out. A lot of people probably haven't had a chance to go see it yet. All right. Not for nothing, but I figured that out 20 minutes in. Okay, fine. I'm stupid. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, like, I don't feel like it's that much of a spoiler. I feel like it's, I feel like it really sort of works for the. Okay, well, we've given the spoiler. We've given the spoiler warning. So if you. And there's one line in the trailer where I was like, oh, well, okay, that's probably going to be a thing. All right. Why don't you start with us, Lacey, then? Yeah. Your thoughts on Argyle. Okay. I loved Argyle. I love, again, John Cena, like, is a small character, but just, I'll watch anything that that man does. Um, he does so much good in the world. I just want to, like, support him in everything. Um, so it's uh, John Cena and uh, Henry Cavill. And, I mean, there's just, the, the cast is huge and it's fantastic. What do you want from me? Do you want me to, like, give my thoughts or do you want to do, like, a plot, like, synopsis? Well, let, let's do this. I'll do the plot description and just mention okay. the, the the main players in this. So, a reclusive author who writes espionage novels about a secret agent and a global spy syndicate realizes the plot of her new book she's writing starts to mirror reality and world events in real time. Directed by Matthew Vaughn. Uh, of course, from the um, um, Kingsman. the what the, the what series Kingsman the, Je- the Kingsman series yes the Kingsman series and that's going to come up in a second here uh, stars Henry Cavill uh, Dallas Bryce Howard Sam Rockwell and of course uh, you know we get uh, Samuel Jackson in there Dua Lipa John Cena of course comes in there great cast a lot of fun uh, but go ahead Lacey. um. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I think that the, um, so do we want to give away the, uh, Go I for to, it. We, we are in a spoiler. Just, just so you know, though, the trailer says, um, when you know the secret, don't let the cat out of the bag. Right. Uh, but, uh, if you want to go ahead, uh, and give the spoiler away, you go right ahead. It really is hard to talk about the movie. If you don't give the spoiler away. All right. All right. I mean, cause it happens pretty. Okay. So, Leading up to the spoiler, okay, you've got Bryce Dallas Howard, she's doing her thing, and she's like this quiet, you know, kind of mousy, quiet person, and all of a sudden, um, she gets kidnapped, and they're tra- like, they're, they're saying that she predicted something, and um, then you've got people saying, you know, we need to know what she knows, because she's gonna, she's gonna be able to, she's gonna figure out, we need her to write the next, uh, chapter so that we know what to do okay well that right there immediately i was like okay well so she obviously has amnesia this is obviously like a um a long kiss goodnight situation like it felt like long kiss goodnight meets lost city of d or maybe um you know romancing the stone kind of thing you know the mistaken identity kind of deal it really did feel like it felt like uh, um, night and day meets right. 
long kiss. The Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz film. Yeah. Right. right. And so, um, so basically it turns out she was a spy, got knocked around a little bit, lost some memory. And now they don't know what's going on because she was on mission. So they put people in her life. They planted people in her life to try and bring out the information um, you don't know if you don't know who's good. You don't know who's bad. You don't know who's on whose side. It's, there's a lot of kind of speculation, so we don't have to go into that. Um, but it turns out that Argyle, uh, being um, uh, Henry Cavill and uh, John Cena, are characters in her book. They represent characters in real life, the people in real life. Right. Right. And so between the two of them, the love story mirrors Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard who are played by Henry Cavill and John Cena <laughs> as like their the counterparts inside the inside her her like mental universe. So it's really interesting to see um I I I won't give you any more than that. There's a there's a ton of spoilers okay. still to go. Let, let me let me give my thoughts on it and then we'll talk about the uh uh the end stinger scene there. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. It was a lot of fun. Apparently Blair did not. He took a nap, um, which is fine. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I love the location shoots. Shout out to Catherine O'Hara mm. in this movie. I loved her in this film. I love seeing her in this style, in this role. Brian Cranston as well, playing the bad guy. He was great. Uh, I also love Bryce Dallas Howard in this. It felt like... Uh, she was just fun. And I liked, I liked her as the two different people. When you see what's happening, when she awakens to uh, the super spy background that she had, that was a lot of fun. Uh, great chemistry with the cast and Sam Rockwell. Give me some more Sam Rockwell any day, anytime, anywhere. Thoroughly Sam enjoyed Rockwell it. Sam Rockwell is an unsung genius. <laughs> that man. Now um, we need to talk about the end credit scene. Uh, and I want you to explain it. Okay, the final scene, um, Stinger, uh, it's about halfway through mid-credits, right? Um, it, uh, there's a young man that walks into a bar. Could it be a Kingsman bar? We don't know. Um, he asks for, gosh, what was it? Uh, some drink. Some drink. I can't remember. I'm not a drinker. Um, so he asks for a drink, and then he asks the guy to... Uh, it's like something with a twist and he's like, hold the vodka, hold the gin, hold the cranberry juice, hold the orange juice. Just give me the twist. And the guy turns around behind the bar, puts a case on the bar. He opens it up. It's a weapon. And, uh, the kid introduces himself as Argyle. So is he real? Is he like, is this in the past? Is this a prequel? Is this a, like we don't know. There's so. Are many- we tying the movie Argyle into the um Kingsman? the other world? What right? the Kingsman? So the, the Kingsman, yes, yeah. Are the other are the previous three Kingsman films part of the book series that Bryce Dallas Howard's character wrote in Argyle? That's is it. Are they all prequels basically? You know, no, it's not that. Like, they could literally redo all of the Kingsman films using Bryce Dallas Howard and Samuel Rock, Sam, uh, Sam Rockwell and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. But 
the thing is that everyone who, I mean, there are two crossovers, right? Because you've got Samuel L. Jackson and Sophie, um, I always blank on her last yeah. name. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's, I, I, let, let's not give away any bit more, but let's wrap this up and give it our buy it, stream it, or unsee it. Where would you give this, Lacey? Oh, I'm going to stream it until I can buy it. It's definitely a buy it for me. I'm getting this mm -hmm. on physical media for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I, I'm looking forward to watching this again and seeing all the stuff that I missed. Cause a lot happens. A yes. lot happens. So, yeah. yeah. And if you're, if you're, if you love Matthew Vaughn, I mean, from layer cake all the way through to the, the most recent Kingsman film, his use of lighting and color and cuts just within, yeah. cause they had to film every action scene twice, once with Henry Cavill and once with Sam Rockwell, because yeah. she's like, going in and out of yep. consciousness and she's seeing them. Do, and they're, I mean, it was just the poor stunt coordinator, that guy, whoever that guy is. <laughs> well, like yeah. Gotcha. Oof, ding dang. So Kyle, are you going to see this movie? I, I very intend to see this, this movie. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining trying to get the time, but I know it's coming to Apple TV plus soon. So mm. it, but I would yeah. like to try to see it in the theater while I can. But next up guys, I uh, just hit this week. Madam Web, the uh, latest in the Sony line of Spider-Man related films. We're not going to give full on spoilers on this because this is too new. Fair. Yeah. So I enjoyed uh, it. Lots of strong female characters, several connections to the current Spider-Verse slash MCU. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I went in, I, I know nothing about this character. Uh, I don't know anything about the comics, anything. And personally, I don't care. Uh, I enjoyed the trailer. And so I was curious to go in and I actually enjoyed it. And um, I put a little post on uh, Facebook about it and I got some comments on it. Uh, but one of the comments that I did want to respond to was uh, how would you, how would you compare this movie to um, uh, Venom? And I said, well, why would you want to compare it to Venom? Uh, you know, why don't you compare it to Sleepless in Seattle? It was just, a, it was a weird question. But then I understood the reason why it was asked because it's part of the Sony MCU verse, basically, which includes the two Venom films, uh, Morbius, uh, and this one. Am I missing another one? I can't remember. Craven the Hunter, which is coming out later this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craven the, Craven the Hunter, Hunter, Hunter's out. So, where would you rank this? And I said, well, I would rank, um, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry. Venom, <laughs> Venom, Web. Venom one one, Madam Web two, Venom uh, uh, the second sequel because I wasn't it was underwhelming for me and then I thought Morbius was terrible, so the, if you want it ranked there, but um, I I'm just gonna say this right now, guys, um, cool it on the hate on this film, and a lot of people are quoting like only a few reviews, and people are jumping all over that. And I know who you guys are and I've seen the reviews and Kyle, when you mentioned this earlier, Oh, people are saying this is worse than Morbius. No, it is not. It is not worse than Morbius. Everyone has jumped on a few really loud uh, reviews, uh, basically slamming this film and saying that it's going to be a huge box office flop. Well, big surprise. A lot of movies are flopping right now, even Oscar winners, just so you know. Uh, but, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed, uh, the chemistry between the four girls. I really enjoyed the villain. And I think you did too, Lacey. We were yeah, kind of messaging villain, back and forth about this. Yeah. The villain, the villain in this one was really fun. I, I, I enjoyed seeing, 
ooh, I don't know if I can say that. I enjoyed his um, attire, and that's all I can say. I, I liked seeing the the bad guy wearing what he wore. So, K Caleb, I want to respond to Caleb here. See, Caleb, I don't have any reference to anything at all about Madam Web. This is the, my first experience here, so I don't care. I don't let what happened in the past make me judge what is going up here. I like to basically go in with an open mind and en enjoy new interpretation or for me, brand new interpretation of stuff. So that's my opinion on it. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I liked how it was kind of like an on, you know, it was ongoing. It was, it wasn't like sh it done over like a couple of years. It was done mostly in one night and how she's learning about her abilities. And I love the, the flashback to the kind of spidery people. I thought that was kind of cool. It made me want to learn more about them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I took it for what it was. I'm not saying it's a huge hit. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever, but let me tell you this. I've seen a lot of crappy movies and this is not one, just my personal opinion. Um, as for buy it, stream it and see it, I would say I actually would probably get this on physical media, but you know what? I'm just going to say stream it for now. Wait for stream it. You don't have to go to the movie to see it, but uh, I did see enjoy seeing it on the big screen. So I, I will go. I will see this. I, I support all comic book movies. Um, I'm not a fan so much of the storyline that they're trying to bring over with this. And so that's, that's a comic side of me. But there's been some interesting things that are not helping this movie. And one of them is, and this has been confirmed, even Dakota Johnson has said this, is that for her, this movie was not a good experience. The script was completely changed by the time they actually started filming. She was led to believe it was a true MCU film. It's going to tie into Spider, like full-on Spider-Man. Tom Holland was going to show up. It was so bad, she fired her agent over getting her into this film. So these kind of stories don't come out and help help this. And yes, there are negative reviews out there there but you know we are firm believers here at the fan podcast so see it for yourself judge for your judge for yourself that's that's if you like it doesn't matter what other people say as long as you look you like it I'm, yeah don't I'm, don't feed off other bad things and then try and you know throw gasoline on the fire guys come on we're better people than that you know if you don't want to see it don't see it you know if you don't have anything nice to say about it and having not seen it i don't want to hear your opinion you know well, and it's not opinion. It's literally it's someone else's opinion. Yeah, you know, and it, it's like someone else because you what? What are, what are you? A, what are you a lemur? Come on, see it for yourself. If you don't want to see it, then just say that. How simple is that? You know, but don't don't crap on my social media and saying like and going out of your way to say, oh yeah, this movie is going to suck ass. It's going to tank. Blah blah blah, and uh, you know, throw some negativity on it like that. If, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, I'm not even going to give you any any interest in your opinion without you having to actually see it if you didn't like it that's fine and you, you like it because you didn't like what they did to like with caleb i ex respect what caleb said he didn't like it because of what the changes and they did because of what he had learned i respect that and i get you you saw it i respect that opinion yeah but if you haven't seen it and you're gonna shit on it i ain't listening to you sorry <laughs> now i want to go back and watch the 90s uh the 90s show again i think i think that's the one with nicholas hammond playing spider-man no 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 that's a 70s yeah. show he's talking he's referring 70s? to the 1990s animated who was in um, the oh the 90s animated okay never yeah, mind I, I yeah. i'm assuming i'm assuming as a fan of that they felt that they took a uh, better care of the character than what they felt that this movie delivered but like i said i'm just going on this movie 
I, I liked it. It was just, it was a fun popcorn film. I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm a fan of Dakota Johnson too. So. And I like the special yeah. effects. I liked her abilities. Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah. I like the fact that she wasn't like superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. She just, she just basically had her mind and what she could do. And she was able to outsmart the villain uh, with mind over strength. And I thought that was very, very cool. And I like the way that they did that. So, it yeah. gave kind of a Professor X feel, you know, like he's. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like Kevin before you Sydney. Oh, yeah. And by the way, guys, <laughs> hold off on the Sydney Sweeney. No, I'm serious, Kyle. I saw so many people making comments about Sydney Sweeney's two assets. I get it. She's attractive, but they don't flaunt that that movie. So don't go thinking in there you're going to see her breasts all over the place. You're not. Which one is Sydney Sweeney? The blonde one that was nerdy that people don't buy is she can be nerdy. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they aren't trying to exploit her in this. And that's another thing that I liked about it because I just saw the romantic comedy, Anything But You, and they exploited her physique very well. She's a very pretty woman, but this one they did not. So, But when you talk about the three girls, they, yeah. they were very much playing up the, the bookworm, the athlete, and the Catholic schoolgirl. And this is she, true. She was yeah. the Catholic schoolgirl. So of the three, she's yeah. the one that did have the little plaid skirt and the knee socks. Well, that's because, yeah, the school she went to. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Okay, yeah. moving on. Um, Kevin? Uh, Lisa Frankenstein? Has anyone seen this trailer? Has anyone seen this movie? I've seen this trailer. I want to see the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I know it's in the same universe as Jennifer's Body. Uh, yes, and it takes place in 1989, which was thought was a a, a fun um, uh, idea of this film. Mm. And the thing that I liked about this film too is, you know, when you see movies and TV series that take place in the 80s, but it, the 80s part of it feels forced on you with obvious 80s like cars or products yeah. you know and stuff doesn't look like it really did in the 80s like that famous meme different versions of like they show the 80s uh couch in room and it's all like day glow and pretty <laughs> but really it was shag carpets and smelled like smoke and there was plastic on the and it was one of three colors it was either muddy yeah. yellow <laughs> So, or what, sunflower yellow, avocado green, or that yeah. <laughs> gold brownish color. Well, yeah. I saw the trailer for this, and what sold me was that it was written by Diablo Cody, of course, yeah. who uh, of Jennifer Body's fame. And she's got a certain way of writing her series. And uh, this is called Lisa Frankenstein. If you can meet your perfect boyfriend, make him. <laughs> and uh, the plot goes, uh, after suffering an unspeakable tragedy, Lisa finds herself at a new school her senior year in 1989, struggling to fit in despite her sister because she's uh, she comes from a um, uh, she, she's living with, I guess, a foster family now, I guess, so to speak. And Taffy, her sister Taffy is the popular, of course, cheerleader girl trying to get her to conform her to more typical cheerleader vibe when a freak accident reanimates a corpse from an abandoned cemetery where she was spending time. She must keep his arrival a secret from her family and classmates while all deciding how much she wants to help him and at what cost. Now I found this fascinating guys. And I thought this was really cool. Directed by Zelda Williams, the daughter of Robin Williams. Zelda is also an actress as well. Starring Catherine Newton, uh, Liza Soberano, Jenna Davis and Carla Gugino as the stepmom, if I remember correctly. And Catherine Newton, guys, uh, you may remember her as Cassie, uh, the daughter of Ant-Man and Ant-Man in uh, the Quantumverse. Uh, 
And uh, she's been in some other, she was in that movie Freaky, uh, which I've been wanting to see, uh, which is like, uh, what was it? Um, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. The the, horror version of Freaky Friday. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And so she's the main character in this, and it had a really good soundtrack, and there was some good shout-outs to early eight or like eighties like styles, Walkmans, technology, and I did enjoy this film. It was a lot of fun. I would recommend I'd see it in the theater. I would definitely buy it and definitely stream it. A lot of fun, and it definitely has that Diablo Cody wit in the script. So we we have definitely got some movies that we've talked about, but guys. It's time. It's time to get that time machine going. It's time to do a little bit of things. So, without further. It's time for some time travel here on the Culture Clash. Um, of course, like we started a couple of weeks ago with our um, Band of Podcast Network Guide to Time Travel. We're spotlight. We're doing some movie spotlights on time travel. Our first film, of course, was The Sound of Thunder. The Ed Burns uh, law kind of lost in lost in time film, but uh, we all thoroughly enjoyed that. And it had some very interesting time travel tropes in it, including the classic butterfly effect. But we have picked a new film to add a chapter to our guide of time travel. And this time travel spotlight falls on the 2003 adaption of the great Michael Crichton book. And that movie is timeline. Now this was a time when anything Michael Crichton, was hitting huge. Of course, he was coming off Jurassic Park. Of course, his fame with ER and all of his many books. Um, I got the timeline book on Christmas Day, and I read it on Christmas Day. <laughs> it, it, it pulled me that in. It was it's ama- it was an amazing story. I was so excited for this film when it came. Wait, Kyle, can I ask you a question? When did it actually drop as a book? Movie came out in two thousand three. When did when was it a a, a book? Um, I want to say it was two years before that, but I'm going to okay. hit my, yeah, I guess, novel. I guess any new book was being automatically, uh, formatted to a movie as soon as, uh, Michael Crichton was dropping it, you know? Yeah. Well, well, in fact, Michael Crichton actually gave away the rights of this book for free to earn points on the end because he wanted the movie made so quick and we'll get in, we'll get into his thoughts. Caleb said 1999. That's, that's a quick that turnaround. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate you. Thank you, Caleb. So, guys, we have Timeline, and we're going to just kind of give you a little bit of the overview of Timeline, the synopsis. Timeline is a 2003 science fiction adventure film directed by Richard Donner and starring Paul Walker, Francis O'Connor, Gerard Butler, Billy Connolly, David Dewis, and Anna Friel. Based on Michael Crichton's 1999 novel of the same name, the screenplay concerns a team of present-day archaeologists and history students who are sent back in time to medieval France to rescue their professor from the middle of a battle. Now, guys, before we get into the, the time travel aspects of timeline and some of the other things, I, I just want to ask real quick, what were your first impressions of this film when you saw it? Um, Lacey, start, start with you on this. There are more blue eyes in this movie than Elijah Wood in the entire Lord <laughs> of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> Like I did not say you were going to open up with that. I did not expect like, that. <laughs> everyone has these piercing, piercing blue eyes. Neil McDonough and Paul Walker. And, and just like everyone, everyone. And they do, he does a lot of close-ups, right? Of just like right here. Like the extreme close-ups. So you get a lot of like just ice blue eyes. Um, I, you know, I love this movie. It's fantastic. I, um, 
I mean, first first impression was when can I see it again? I think I saw it several times in theaters. Kevin, I saw it later on video. I, I did not see this in the theater at the time. Um, I I don't know. I probably yeah, a DVD or something like that. But I, I remember not really realizing it was a Michael Crichton film until later. Uh, I was I was you know, obviously a Paul Walker fan from the fast and the furious series. And he was kind of being touted as the lead star. And then it was also one of those two, uh, when you would get, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Gerard Butler, you know, in 300, this was one of those films that was kind of resurging like, Oh, did you go? Did you, do you remember him in timeline? Do you remember him in this? Remember him in that? Uh, when, uh, Gerard was becoming a big thing. And, uh, I just, I just, I kind of giggled at one scene in the film where he goes to the French guy, no, 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 I'm Scottish, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, I, and it just, it was one of those, it just became a rewatchable on video until I ended up buying it on video. I was really excited for this film. I was, like I said, I was a huge fan of the book and this film is a solid, good film. It's not the book. The, there's a lot of liberties they took, which became a thing with Michael Crichton. So if you really want the worst Michael Crichton. So, so wait, hold on, hold on. What you're saying is you enjoyed the book, the source material, and then you enjoyed the movie, even though it was different. Well, yeah, I, I, I think the book is, in this case, is the superior tale of the story. But the movie, the movie is solid. And if you want to, if you ever want to go watch the worst adapted to Michael Crichton film, go watch Congo. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, timeline I thought was very. Right, hold fun. on, hold on, hold on, Lacey, you got a look on your face. What, what, what's going on? I'm trying to remember if Congo is the one with uh, Bruce, the monkeys. The one with, with the monkeys, but it's Bruce Campbell and Carrie Elways, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Also in it. One of the best Carrie Elways deaths. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Congo. I mean, he's been killed a lot of fun ways, like crazy ways, twister, all that. But it's got he's got a fun death in that one. Sorry, just that's all. Okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> so this movie. As much as we say we liked it, didn't get that warm of a welcome on the critical response. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 13% based on reviews from 144 critics. The site's consensus states, this incoherently plotted addition to the time travel genre looks and sounds cheesy. On Metacritic, the film has a score of 28% of based on reviews from 32 critics, indicating generally unfavorable reviews. Audience surveyed by CinemaScore gave the film a grade C plus on a scale of A to F. So, yeah, this was not received big. And I do remember this movie was considered a bit of a bomb when it went after it came out. I think there was a lot of higher expectations. And of course, but, you know, everybody had Jurassic Park expectations for anything Michael Crichton at this point. So. Well, I feel um, terrible because I went and saw it like five or six times. and I enjoyed it every time. But Lacey, Lacey did her part. So the budget was the budget, just so you know, for uh, actual numbers here, the budget was 80 million and it only grossed 43, almost $44 million. Well, like, like $84 of that was mine. So, okay. <laughs> just saying, I tried, I tried y'all. So do. a little bit of quick trivia here, because it ties into some, some of the time travel aspects of it. The battle of castle guard is not an actual historical event. However, the crew of the movie, visited various European castles from around that time period, the late 1300s, to make the castles and towns look as realistic as possible. Um, during the siege of the, cast, of the castle at La Roque, you can briefly see a full moon in the sky. April 4th, 1357 was indeed the night of a full moon. Um, 
This is just a little casting couch thing. Pierce Brosnan turned down the role of Andre Merrick before Gerard Butler eventually signed on. Um, well, totally different one of the, movie if that happens. Yeah, this is true. And also, too, Michael Crichton, as I think we alluded to earlier, did not like this movie at all. He was disappointed in this and kind of disowned it in his mind. Uh, Zalar said, I got to admit, Rotten Tomatoes is not, this influ- is not as influ- influential to me anymore, at least for the past three years. Uh, yeah, you know what, Zalar? I started turning on Rotten Tomatoes 10 years ago. Uh, it, I, if people only pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes to decide whether or not to see a movie or not, you are missing out on life. <laughs> well, I, I have one more piece of trivia, and this one's just for Lacey. Okay. In the DVD special extras, a young and inconspicuous John Cena can be seen before his big break as a pro wrestler. Nice. Where was <laughs> this? Tell me again. Say it again. In the DVD special extras, a young and inconspicuous John mm-hmm. Cena can be seen before his big break as a pro wrestler. Okay. I'll have to pull that out. I have it on DVD as well. So that's cool. Um, I'm really confused how they would have put Pierce Brosnan in it because they would have had to change either they would have had to have him speak Scott with a Scottish accent or because he's Irish and back then Ireland wasn't fighting with, you know, like there would have been, there was the whole conversation where he could have acted. He could have acted it. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about the actual cast real quick because this is actually Mm-hmm. A really good cast. You got Paul Walker, Francis O'Connor, Gerard Butler, Billy Connolly, who I've always been a fan of. He was actually the guy who took Howard Hessman's place on head of the class back in the day when Howard Hessman left head of the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Thewlis, who's been in so much stuff. One of my favorite roles is his character from Kingdom of Heaven. Of course, um, Anna Friel, the great Neil McDonough to, today, to me, still one of the most highly underrated actors out there. Plays. A great good guy, but he plays a phenomenal bad guy. Yes, he does. Dum Dum um, Dugan. Most people know him now through uh, um, the Marvel universe or the DC yeah. universe because he played Damian Dark. Yeah, in, in yeah. Arrow. Yeah, in, so. in Arrow in CW. Yeah. Um, he has um, one of the best handshakes. He's got like a super firm handshake. Also, cross paths with The Rock in the Walking Tall remake. Um. Ethan Embry's in this. Michael Sheen is in this. Um, Richard Donner actually did a little bit of this. And um, Donald, one of Donald Sutherland's sons, Joseph Sutherland, was in Joseph, this as well. Yeah. He played Francois. But guys, let's let's talk about the movie in general here. Well, hold on, hold on. I got some comments on the cast here. We're still talking about well, cast here. I, I, I okay. gotta talk about. So it. give me some com- give me some comment. What are your comments on the cast here? Yeah, Frances O'Connor. You know where I first remember her from, Kyle. Let's see if I can test you on this. Okay. Where, where, what movie would she have made an impact on me? Uh, that's going to be a t- tough You're I'm looking not, up IMDb right now. I'm just Yes, I am because I don't, I'm not that familiar bedazzled, with her. Bedazzled, bedazzled, bedazzled. Oh, that's right. She was, <laughs> she was Brandon Frazier's love interest. Yeah. was going because. after in bedazzled, in bedazzled. Yeah. She was so cute in that. And that's where I first remember. No, I, her, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Elizabeth Hurley. And then I forget about anything else in bedazzled. <laughs> Uh, Billy Connolly, of course, you know, was great uh, in the Boondock Saints. Love oh, yeah. Billy Connolly. Yeah. So funny. Uh, and David Thewlis is just a guy that's been in everything. Uh, I, I really love that guy. And I forgot how cute Anna Friel was uh, as Lady Claire in this. And she met David Thewlis on this production. They became an item. Yes, they did. What, what about you? See any comments on the cast? Love the cast. Love. Uh, I don't think anyone was casting correctly. I do think that we should subcredit Ethan Embry's goatee. 
because it was, <laughs> it was there and it was not taking prisoners. Like it was there. It was, it was having a moment. <laughs> That's cool. It's like, I'm not, shade. like for real, like his, his facial hair was like significant because <laughs> you're just oh. not used to ever see. He's always this like fresh face kid. And then you see him in this and you're like, okay, okay. He's got like a manly beard. So it was distracting. Of, yeah. <laughs> this is one of the more interesting time travel movies to me because it really does start off in the current time dealing with the past. Uh, of course, it is a theme of archaeologist students and their professor played by Billy Connolly. And of course, Paul Walker is Billy Connolly's character's son in this film. And they're dealing with what, what's kind of great is how it's setting up things as they're exploring this old tomb and the, everything at um, the rock. And it, it, it really does set up some interesting things but guys i need to talk about how they do the time travel in this because gee <laughs> i uh i put some dialogue in there to kind of lay it out for us <laughs> yeah um I, I i thank you for that I, I saw that um so yeah you look at that and that just is not a warm welcome feeling time travel device there and so, um go ahead kevin so the time travel method used, uh, you had mentioned, Kyle, modern technology in a very painful way, as in bones and body parts not coming out right. Well, it is described be between the character of Ethan Embry, Josh Stern, and Matt Craven's character, Stephen Kramer. Um, Josh Stern says we he would need a quantum computer with millions of processors. And then Stephen Kramer says, you're right. We use them to build a machine that could fax three-dimensional objects. And he goes on to say about how this would put UPS and, and all those uh, you know servers, mail servers out of business here. And then Josh goes, you accidentally discovered time travel? Steve Kramer says, no, we accidentally discovered a wormhole, a wormhole that seems to be locked into a single time and place in the past near Castle Guard, France in the year 1357. So how do we feel about this version of time travel and how it was done? very creative and i really like the concept but yeah they even tell them how painful the travel is going to be so i don't know if i want any part of that and we see at the beginning of the film if you travel a little too many times through this time travel wormhole it it, it it's it doesn't do a body good let's put it that <laughs> way it's not milk lacy um, I feel like the way they described it it almost between how they described it and what it looked like it almost looked like the fax version of teleporting from Star Trek. Like just, but the thing that I have an issue with is it, it, the fly kept coming to mind because if you're transporting everyone and breaking them down into tiny pieces and then putting them back together, if you're all in the same spot at the same time, if you're all in the machine at once. Um, why come nobody had like three arms and two faces? And they had, well, they had a little device. I know, I know, I get it. I know what they said, but I'm I feel like that was very, very like shady science. Or well, well I know this is more fi than psi. I get it. I'm not but I, yeah, I, I, we I, have I, to I, with, with with time travel movies, we have to uh give in more to the fi than the psi and sci-fi, you know. You sure. have to yeah. do that, you know. <laughs> and they, they try their best to wrap a little bit of loose science around the fi, you know, so I get it. Right. Uh but man, uh I like the fact though that it was a wormhole, not necessarily a typical time travel that you're going through a wormhole, so to speak. And 
And I thought that was an interesting way for the time travel to be explained. Okay, come on. Those are two people right now on screen that don't look like they are really wanting to be doing this. <laughs> um, but it does lead them to, to back to that time in France. And this is where Gerard Butler shines in this movie as, as the Merrick character, who is the true historian. He is a romantic for this time frame. Um, he actually meets his love interest in this time frame. I love Gerard Butler in this movie, guys. And he, he because he has such passion for the for the time frame and everything like that, it, it works so well. I love the fact that he's passion passionate about history in the first place. And uh, I love the fact that uh, he gets involved with this this woman that he knows of and the legend of. And he's and they're talking about the legend of this woman and what happens to her uh, before any of this before they know about any of the time travel, which is fascinating. And I love the fact that he actually meets her and then things change a little bit, which is kind of cool, but I'm just going to say it's a heterosexual guy. This guy looks hot in this film. <laughs> <laughs> this is one good looking man right here. I tell you, Gerard, you go, bro. <laughs> so we, we, and of course, you know, we, they, they we, this is where we kind of get into our next thing with time travel. What is the time travel trope in this, guys? And I want to see if you agree with me because I think the time travel trope in this is trapped in time because they do become trapped. They the device gets there's an accident, the device is destroyed, they can't go back, so they are stuck and they are trying to be oh so careful, one to go rescue um, Billy Connolly's character, but also not to make changes in time. And there there's it's definitely perilous for them because of just if they don't like outside of Merrick, none of them really are 100% comfortable in the situation they're, they're in. And I actually think this was one of the best things I liked about this film is how they played, played that up with them in that situation and how they're trying to deal with it. Is it, is it just, I feel like there's also the, you know, break it, then fix it sort of scenario. You know, they, they messed it up because he accidentally rescues the girl and all this kind of stuff. And then, so then they, even if they had had working machine, you know, working, what was it talismans or whatever, yeah. uh, they wouldn't have been able to go back until they fixed it because they legitimately could have changed the outcome of a significant war in, in European history. Um, as far as the, the film goes. Um, and then you have the fact that like every time one of them kills somebody, it's like, okay, did they just kill off like 17 generations of people that would have been like, who knows because back then, when you had these giant wars, you don't know who lived and died. There's so many people. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that aspect of here in a little bit, Lacey. Kevin, what about you? Do, what What are you feeling as far as that time travel trope? Getting kind of stuck in time, at least. That that's the best part about time travel movies is when you're stuck and you don't know how or if you're gonna get back or if you're gonna get back and there's a, a there's a time frame on your time travel back to safety, whether or not you can make it to the right portal or you lose your device, the MacGuffin or whatever it is. Uh, I liked how they handled the, the, the time travel trope in this, especially with the little necklace thingies or whatever it was that showed them, you know, when and where they had to be. Uh, I thought that was a really clever device. Uh, I, I like it when you throw a little twist on that trope. And her comment sort of says it all. The only thing worse than dying here is living here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I want to give a quick shout out to Martin Koskis, uh, Sir William Decker, aka William Decker, the kind of our villain of the film, in a sense where he decided he got there. I can take power, create, basically creates a noblehood for himself, and becomes quite the bad guy in this film. Of course, being basically kind of the opposite version of Gerard Butler's character in this, and I, I, I loved how that played out. With that as well, but guys, I think here's the ultimate. Yeah, thing. hold on, real quick. That's another time travel trope that I think is cool. Is that when there's someone back in time from the future that embraces and uses it to their own power, and I thought that was a cool thing to see in this film. The thing for me, guys, and it's I think it's the thing that I loved so much about the book and the film, and this is where they got it right. Was so how did time travel change things? But did time travel change things in this? Because as it turns out. For instance, Merrick is the man they found in the tomb at the beginning of the film. And it was like it was destined to be. This is what was destined to happen. So did time travel really break things or did it just was it already fated to be? And I think that's a really great thing with this movie. And also in the aspect of even though Merrick, who stays back, he gets his happy ending. He lives in the world he wanted to live in living with the woman he loves and that his friends can even find peace in that because he knows that they know that they spent the rest of their lives together. So everything works out in the end. And like you said, Lacey, well, we don't know if we killed with someone killed off some of your directions, but it seems like this is kind of was always what happened. And it's, it's just one of those time travel things where it just falls. Everything falls into one perfect piece. Right. I mean, Kyle Reese, this is the Kyle Reese connection. Yeah. Terminator, Terminator reference, Terminator reference. Sorry, sorry. Um, I think anyone who's watching this podcast is potentially going to be you know, as nerdy as us. At least. I just like to shout out Terminator reference. I yeah, love it. It's great. Okay, okay. I will say that the the grave site did change significantly at the end. Yeah, the gra- yeah. So there's a little bit of a little bit of leeway on some things. I I, I just want to say like his character knowing what he knows and then he hooks up with the hot girl and then he has a statue after him. Come on. That's not, that's not bad. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, and he could use, I mean, obviously you could use your knowledge of the future and just technology in general to make your life a little better, you know, and I'm, I'm guessing he lived underneath the radar enough to where he didn't like pretend to invent all this crap, but enough to where he had a really nice, you know, statue after him. So I think that was kind of cool, you know? So guys, that I could give up indoor plumbing. I'm sorry. Like, I'm kind of there with you on running indoor plumbing, modern medicine, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, having to Um, drink beer instead of, instead of water and everything being salted because there was no other refrigeration. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, we have a quick, a quick picture of most of the cast here. Um, Again, great cast, and it's one of the things that I love about this about this movie. Um, I really like this film. I mean, this is a film that, like I said, it, the book the book is always going to be my first choice, but I have no problem watching the film at all. You know what I liked about this film? So, brave. I like how the the DVD and in this movie it was advertised Braveheart with a twenty first century twist right here on the DVD. That's what it says. And one of the things that was good about Braveheart was showing what warfare and tactics were like back then. 
And what I liked about this movie is it does a similar thing. You get catapults, you get these kind of rocket harpoon things and how flammable liquid was used in moats and all that kind of stuff, especially with the, uh, um, uh, you know, yeah. And I love the catapult situation because it reminded me of one of my favorite games. And I think there was a, an NSE game called Rampart. Do you guys remember this game? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there, there was a stand-up arcade game too, where it was you against a computer or you and against an opponent. And you would give a certain amount of time to build up your castle and to add your, your cannons and your whatever. And you try to break down your opponent's castle. And then you would get a certain amount of time to build it up again. And until one of you guys was destroyed and you have to like target ships in the water. But I love it when the castle is sieged on it. And then we get the tease in the beginning of the film with Billy Connolly's character, giving the history lesson on that wonderful little miniature mock-up of what the war look like. And I loved how they brought that to life with the huge castle. And I just, I thought the battle scenes were fantastic and the set scenes and everything. It, it, it's one of those adventures that does take you back and it feels like you are there with. It. Yeah, no, I, well, well, well said, Kevin. Just one note. Uh, mm-hmm. trebuch- uh, the difference between a catapult and a trebuchet is that trebuchets can launch like 400 pounds and a catapult can only launch like 25 to 50. So they were using trebuchets to launch those giant things of Greek fire, which is insane. That is the first time I've heard of the word trebuchet. To me, it's a catapult. They said it many <laughs> times in the movie. Just- <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get that. I was just like, oh, that's a catapult. Oh, yeah, but still, trebuchet. There you go. Mm-hmm. You could probably launch launch a probably launch a cow, right? Yeah. So, so that that is timeline, guys. Um, I, I think it's safe to say the lessons we learned from this are never drop your talisman, first and foremost. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. really probably just never go through the time traveling fax machine in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how they chose to use the term fax before like other technology kind of caught up with this, you know. So it does date the movie a little bit that way. But I just I, still though. You know, we still faxes aren't as sent like they used to, but that's how a lot of documents were sent was faxes. You know, you had your business card that had your phone number and your fax number on it, you know. So I, I just I loved how that was kind of a stamp in time for timeline. Right. But and even even in 2003, they were considered fairly dated. I mean, it was if you weren't using email at that point, at least for a percentage of the time, you still couldn't do like DocuSign or whatever. So yeah, it, it became, you know, I remember my parents used to have one in the house and then once email happened, you know, garbage chunk, you know. Yeah. So I remember remember the early fax paper guys. Jeez. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. That, uh, don't even go get me started. So guys, we, we, as we as we wrap things up with our timeline, give me your final thoughts on timeline and and and, and its aspect of time and how it handles time travel. Yeah. Lacey. Oh, you go first, Lacey. Ladies first. Ladies first. I I enjoyed it. I I think that it was a very it was a fun. Um, fictional non like not too heavy on the science which is nice for me because i prefer the phi to the sci anyway um my favorite scene would be the conversation where um uh, connelly says you know oh coming from the guy who doesn't like easter and he's like yeah because you buried the easter eggs like that to me just gives like immediate like what his whole childhood was like um and i think that was really fun so anyway i enjoyed it I bought it uh, twice. 
it's uh it was a fun movie to revisit i have had this on dvd but I'll, but honestly i haven't watched it in a long time but i've owned the dvd for a long time so it was nice to go back and revisit it i love the scene with um uh paul and gerard as father and son in the beginning and he's trying to like you know you know show him how important you know history is and and uh, and in the scene in the water when he's with uh, um, the the girl, I love that whole conversation that they have together. And and uh, then he finds out who she really is. Uh, that was a great scene. Oh, where she she's the, I'm saying we're speaking the same language, but you have no idea what I'm saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is a solid solid film. A great a, a great watch. Uh, uh, it's, it, it would fall definitely in, in my mind too under I, our couch potato theater I think, kind of thing. Kyle, wouldn't you say with, with regarding those bad reviews that you uh, referred to earlier, I, I think this movie his reviews have gone up since then with fandom, wouldn't you say? Because when, whenever I talk to people about this film, they go, "Yeah, I like that movie. I like that movie." I, I, I know, think this though, again, you know. No, I think this is this is a case where too the, the as the cast got bigger. And, and the, this movie get kind of got r- r- risen with as the cast became bigger stars yeah, too. That's a good point. And so people re- revisit this a little bit more fondly than they did when it first came out. Because again, I think the expectations on anything Michael Crichton were so high at the point when Timeline came out that I think I think it was unfair. I really it was almost unfair for anything because the Jurassic Bar Park Bar was like way up here, and yeah. so I think that that kind of affected that. But I think Timeline is a great addition to to time travel. I think it's one of the funner time travel tropes that they use in there. I think it's creative and I like how they handled it. Um, it's a great chapter I, in the guide of time travel. I just realized why I didn't see this in the theater why because I was living in Virginia, working for decipher promoting Lord of the Rings. And I believe return of the King was coming out in November. Cause this movie was released in November. Cool. If I remember correctly. And so I'm sure this movie just got buried. <laughs> With the power of the rings, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Well, guys, we want to thank all of you for watching and joining us for this episode of Culture Clash Live as we continue our year of time travel here at the Fandom Podcast Network. Um, it always means so much when you guys join us. Um, you can find this show, obviously, if you're already watching it on our YouTube channel, Fandom Podcast Network. If you go join it later, make sure you like, subscribe, and share it out. We appreciate the support. If you're going to listen to this on the audio feed, of course, you can go to um, fpnet.podbean.com and listen to all of our great shows. And of course, it's on any, it's, the audio feed will be on any of the major podcast providers out there, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, so many others. It's always so much fun to be doing these things and especially having you guys be a part of it. And, of course, this is the latest episode of Culture Clash, the flagship show of the Fandom Podcast Network. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, Fandom Podcast Network. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at at fandompodcastnetwork or on Twitter at fanpodnetwork. I am Kyle. It has been my pleasure to be your host tonight with these wonderful co-hosts, as always. You can find me on Twitter at akylew, on Instagram and threads at akylefandom. Kevin, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on uh, X and uh, uh, Instagram and threads at Spartan underscore Phoenix. And I just want to give a shout out to the chat. Thank you guys for all watching and commenting. Uh, Zalar, Caleb, uh, Chris, Blair, Adam, uh, all you guys. Lurker, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. And Kenny, of course. 
And, and Lacey, we, we know you're not huge on the social medias, but we know you're out there a little bit. I'm just so bad at it. <laughs> um, I'm on Facebook because um, I'm an old fogey. And um, I, I haven't, what is it? What do you call it on? You don't say tweet anymore, do you? you I don't actually. Just go. It's on, it's on but, the X. Yeah, I don't yep. X anymore. I don't do that. Um, I did get a blue sky thing, but I don't know what it means. Um, <laughs> just but, You'll find me here. That's where you find me. <laughs> this by the way, I, ha- I have an extra copy of Timeline DVD. I don't know what to do with it. I have an extra one. Well, do you have it on Blu-ray and DVD or is it you have two Blu-rays? I have two DVDs. Okay. Yeah. That's all, that's what I got. I got two DVDs yeah. of Timeline. So and maybe I'll donate it to someone who might want to watch it. We'll see. Right on. Take there it to the go. library. Donate it to the library. Yeah. Well, guys, we're gonna get closed out of here. Um, I will say this. Uh, when we do get to our next chapter of a spotlight on time travel, we're gonna be doing a little time looping. We're gonna talk about the classic Bruce Willis. Say that again, Kyle. Your audio dropped out for me. I said, I said we're, we're going to be doing Looper, the classic okay. Bruce, Bruce Willis uh, time travel film. Um, always an interesting conversation with that film. It, yes. It's definitely had had its ups and downs over the years, but I, I think it's going to be a great addition to our time travel guide. And but this will be a nice watch for me. Yes. yes. Which is, I've, I, that's two now I've got on you with this, Lacey. <laughs> it was the first one. Sound of Thunder. Oh, yeah. Sound of Thunder. Yes. Yeah. But we have hoped you've enjoyed all of our conversation about Timeline. We hope you've enjoyed the episode of Culture Clash, and we hope you enjoy everything else that's coming up on the Fandom Podcast Network. Until next time, guys, stay safe, but most importantly, respect each other, and even more importantly, guys, enjoy your fandom. We are Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you.